Let's talk Jack Chick. Uh, again. Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, wherever you are, whenever you are. And welcome to, uh, you know, part two to this whole Chickism little series. Hopefully this will be the last part to it. Because I wasn't satisfied with uh, my explanations and everything discussing Jack Chick's content for his, uh, his pamphlets, his tracts, for everything that he talked about. You know, last time we talked about Baptist successionism, and we talked about the uh, pan-Babylonian hyperdiffusionism that, well, gave the impression that the, the Roman Catholic Church is the uh, evil inheritors of a disgusting witchcraft-based satanic cult established in Babel slash Babylon. We discussed why that's wrong, but also why the mindset uh, that results from those teachings kind of prevents people like Jack Chick from considering the alternatives. You know, a, a Roman Catholic apologist might bring up the newer scholarship and the response to them would be, you're giving us papist propaganda. You're trying to clear your name, aren't you, worshiper of Semiramis? That kind of thing. Well, that's all well and good. And, and I'm sure that we could have gone into maybe some of his dispensational ideas and everything. But I wanted to talk about the psychology behind, um, behind Chickism. And, and for, for everyone listening to this, Let's just say that Chickism is the the fundamentalist, independent Baptist Christian mindset. It's us against the world. We have a very specific, very strict understanding of Christianity. And everything else is probably evil and satanic. Yeah, that's, that's about it. And... You know that you're talking to somebody in the thralls of Chickism if they tell you that Halloween is actually a secretly evil pagan holiday and kids that go trick-or-treating are actually engaged in the occult. You know that somebody is a Chickist if they tell you that Harry Potter is evil, that it is a celebration of wickedness, or that Pokemon is trying to brainwash our children. How do we end up with people like that? And is there any merit to what they're saying? Right? How, what is the psychology behind a chickist? Or the motivations behind it? Especially since, well, these days, it's pretty evident that most of our pop culture is absolutely satanic. You can't tell me that toddlers in tiaras or dance moms, or anything else that sexualizes children is anything other than satanic, right? It just is. But does that require the same kind of almost conspiratorial mindset that a chickist has? And, and I would argue not. In fact, I have no problem celebrating Halloween. And I am a Lutheran pastor. It's okay, guys. Let's talk about this. So, if you have a Bible handy, I'd like to go to the book of 1 Timothy here. Actually, 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. So while you're turning there, we're going to get into a concept of regula fide. So, first, second, 2 Timothy here, chapter 3. What does it say? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, Reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who 
creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Yambrus opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified from hearing the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Okay, so we just read the first nine verses of Second Timothy chapter 3. And what's St. Paul's message? In the last days, people are going to be awful. So, now say you're a Baptist, and you hear the words, last days. What do you think of? Well, you're probably a, a premillennialist. You believe in a physical thousand-year reign of Christ after a physical seven years of tribulation. These kind of time zone ways of thinking about things. So the last days doesn't mean what St. Peter said it meant, that we are living in the last days. Remember that in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, St. Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Right? So the way a Baptist thinks about that, when they hear those words as a premillennial believer, they say, Oh, well, St. Peter is saying the last days are near. And, and, you know, then the end of all things. Because St. Paul makes a prediction about the last days. And St. Peter here is saying the end of all things. Well, that's got to be with the last days being uh, before then. Therefore, we must be alert and sober-minded. Hmm. Well, how do I do that? How am I alert for these last days? Well, I, I really should be on the lookout for these people, these godless, horrible people that St. Paul is talking about. Now, from a different perspective, from a Lutheran lens, uh, what I would argue is a more consistent sola scriptura lens here. If I look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 here, and I see, let's see, understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, they already are. Lovers of money, they already are. Proud, they already are. Arrogant. And I, I can go through this entire list and say, well, that's me. That's that's you, beloved. That's everybody. We're all these things here in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. We are that sinner. And as amillennialists, people who say, well, Jesus is always in charge, and when Judgment Day comes, Christ will return, and that's that, final Judgment Day. When we see St. Peter say the end of all things is near, he's saying we are in the last days because there is only one return of Christ spoken of in the Holy Scriptures. When Jesus returns, then the judgment happens. So then if we deny a physical thousand years, we do believe in a spiritual thousand years, that is the church era, then it's pretty evident to us that I don't need to be on the lookout for, um, for these people to arrive. I need to be aware of them now. And there's a very different psychological thing that happens depending on that eschatology. And I will say that Baptists will, they do a much better job of emphasizing the last days theology, the eschatology that they believe in, they do a way better job of it, of emphasizing it, than Lutherans do. Because we have a very simple one. Christ will return, then there will be the judgment. Those who believe and are baptized will go on to everlasting joy in our Lord Jesus Christ with a real resurrection of the dead. Those who are not saved... Those who do not believe will be condemned, and they will go to everlasting fire. It's pretty simple for us. <laughs> and, and where the Bible doesn't describe what's happening, neither will we. 
But Baptists in the United States, especially the fundamentalist Baptists, they were forged in a different fire. They were forged in the fire that says, well, we're not in the end days, end of days yet, but we should be looking out for that. So we need to be examining the character of the culture around us. You need to eat your breakfast with the Bible open in one hand and your newspaper in the other. Just stick your mouth right in that bowl of cereal because that's how we're going to do things. And St. Peter says, be alert. Be alert for this coming of all the end. Right? That's how they're going to look at it. So with that being said then, the world is pretty mundane. The world is really mundane. I mean, there can be some exciting things happening, and there can be some dramatic things happening, but for the most part, life can be really boring sometimes. And evil, the evil that we see, well, just generally speaking, we don't see too much of a difference between ourselves and the non-believers. Oftentimes, yeah, we can, we can point out the most degenerate of the culture and say, yep, yep, that's pretty evil. Yep, that fits uh, 2 Timothy 3 right there, what St. Paul is saying. But for the most part, we all know one or more guys out there that's pretty normal. So, the Baptist, the fundamentalist, responds and reasons, well, there must be a hidden evil. Oh yes, I agree with them. There's a lot of hidden evil. But there's a reason we don't, hyper focus on it like the uh, like our baptist friends do like the chickest mindset will have someone do but we'll get into that so for jack chick and for everybody thinking like this in coming out of the uh, the adventist movement in america the 1800s when there was this kind of mania of trying to find when is christ going to return when is he going to be there are we ready and are we ready for the millennium for them, being ready for it means uh, sometimes building a bunker, sometimes being aware of, of how to survive a seven-year tribulation period. Um, another thing that they believe is a physical seven years rather than we as Lutherans confessing that it's the church is always persecuted. It's called the Great Tribulation, not the Seven Years Tribulation. But I digress. For Jack Chick... And for all the chickists out there, whether or not they know who Jack Chick is, they're going to say, I need to be aware of what's going on around me. I need to know, am I living in the last days? Am I living in the last days of the last days? How aware and alert must I be? How awake am I? Well, that's where we get into... The notion of hidden evil, with everything being so mundane, but knowing that there's this sinister evil around us, we got to find out where it's going. And so suddenly now you get people that even if they claim up and down that they are not Baptist, or they're not even non-denominational, people like Jay Dyer, they'll say, oh yeah, that, that's silly Protestant nonsense, or that's silly Baptist nonsense. But Jay Dyer is a chickist, through and through. Why? Because he's looking for Illuminati symbolism in movies. He's looking to see whether or not um, a Maroon 5 music video is secretly trying to brainwash us into believing in Satan or throwing our babies off of bridges. He talks about the Illuminati day in and day out. And I'm sure if he hears this, he'll want to debate me, but... Uh, I, I sent out a message to him to have a friendly conversation, and I don't think he ever got back to me. Anyway, the concept that there has to be this hidden evil festering, trying to plot to have a, a generalized society of total evil, ignores the fact of humanity being extremely sinful already. They could be right. It could be totally right. Maybe Harry Potter is satanic. Maybe um, maybe when I drink Starbucks coffee, I really am drinking a, a cup with the, the, the goddess Venus on it or some, some fish god Dagon there. And, and secretly just drinking the coffee is an accidental act of worship. 
That could be true, I guess. And there could be some secret, sinister, satanic plot. We know that the devil's pretty restless. But the difference between the chickest and the Lutheran way of looking at these things is I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm probably more guilty than a lot of these out-and-out satanic people because I know full well what I'm doing if I mess up. So I must repent of my sins daily and crucify the old Adam. Then, with a plank removed from my eye, maybe I can comment on some of the evil going around me. But there must be a balance in law and gospel. And that, beloved, is the other giant difference between the chickest, somebody going off of Jack Chick's ideas, and, well, somebody like me, a confessional Lutheran. Let's go here to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to do some comparing and contrasting between what Jack Chick says and, well, what Philippians says. So, let's go ahead and look at Philippians chapter 4, and we'll, uh, we'll start in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So that's St. Paul writing to the Philippians. And he says, don't be anxious. Bring your requests to God and let God's peace come over you. And then he gives us something of a riddle. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about this. What out there is all of these things? My Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Gospel. There is a ton of thinking in the Gospel there that is supposed to be on our minds, constantly remembered. And while yes, there is law and there is gospel. We are to preach both so that the Christian may be convicted by the law to be brought to the gospel and then with the gospel in mind happily do their best to obey God's holy commandments, the Ten Commandments. That's called the third use of the law. But let's go ahead and take a look at another Jack Chick comic here. And yep, going to do some voices for this because I it, it's hard not to laugh for these. This is called The Nervous Witch. And I, I want to see, if, if you're listening to this, judge for yourself what vibe you're getting from this. Are you getting a law vibe from what he's talking about or are you getting a gospel vibe? Let's find out. So a woman is driving home and her teenage daughters seem to be uh you know just hanging out at home so she's honey i'll be home in an hour i've got two big surprises for you i hate surprises what are they i'm bringing uncle bob i don't want him in my house now you show some respect young lady shut up mother Oh, we're already seeing some Second Timothy 3 things. Shut up, mother. <laughs> Haters of parents here. Uncle Bob's with her. He makes me nervous because he reminds me of Jesus. Are you kidding? No, Holly. I've never seen him do anything wrong. It's like this guy never sins. He's scary. He's an enemy. This is a female speaking. He is an enemy. I'll take him down with a powerful love spell. 
Don't even try, Holly. You have no idea what we're up against. What should we do? What should we do? We go to your room and summon up the spirits to help us. Okay, let's go. We've only got an hour to do it. You light the candles and I'll get the robes. Remember, Samantha, which is rule. God's dead and the churches are powerless. Old Bible boy won't stand a chance against our black hearts. It's getting late. So they, they draw like a pentagram on the floor and what looks like blood. And there's all these candles here. And okay, it's really spoopy, right? It's getting late. What's going wrong? Holly, nothing's happening. Something really powerful is blocking my spell. Let's try it again. And the doorbell rings. Oh no. It's mom. Quick, lock my door. Honey, we're home. Come say hello to Uncle Bob. Down in a minute, mother. Get that, get that robe off, Samantha. I'll put the rug over the pentagram. Come on, Sam. Don't freak out on me. We're stronger than he is. Play it cool, girl. <clears throat> Holly, this is my brother, Bob Williams. Charmed, I'm sure. What's going on? Stop it, Holly. Nothing, Mother. It's you. You know I hate surprises. Are you ready for the other one? Like I've got a choice? Okay, brace yourself, Samantha. I got saved! I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, honey. My sins are gone. Okay. So suddenly now there's this surprise. Jesus enters into the picture in this in this girl's life after her and her friends are trying to do satanic witchcraft against their mother. <clears throat> Praise God, I never want to sin again. Oh man, I can't handle this. Bob, I've got to tell, call Mom and tell her the good news. She'll be thrilled, Maggie. This is an answer to her prayers. Call her now. What a muggle, she thinks to herself. And a little asterisk there says a muggle is a person who cannot perform magic. Mm, interesting. So now we're saying Harry Potter terminologies there. It's getting a shout out. <laughs> Something inside me is screaming to get out of this house. Oh, my lord. That's just your spirit guide, Holly. How did you know? I don't miss much. May I tell you a Bible story before you go? We don't believe in the Bible. Are you afraid? Absolutely not. We fear nothing. Go ahead. Tell us. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he also outlawed witchcraft. God hates witchcraft. At that time, it was a crime punishable by death. Four hundred years later, that law was still in effect. Saul was made the first king of Israel. He was humble at first and was crowned by the prophet Samuel. Now King Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land, 1 Samuel 28 verse 3. But there were still a few frightened closet witches hiding in Israel. Later, King Saul became angry and rebellious, and God ignored him. The Lord would only speak to Samuel. But Samuel died, and Israel was facing a massive army. Saul panicked. But God remained silent. What was Saul supposed to do? Saul inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him not. And Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And here, the King James here is the preferred translation he's using. And behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So he, he speaks about the witch at Endor um, incident here. So, and he brings this up. What, what, have, what have we received here? These girls are witches. They're doing witchcraft and they're in the bedroom. And that's evil. Then we hear that mom gets saved. But then we hear warning, 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 warning. Here's the law that says... 
don't commit witchcraft. By the way, that's the second commandment because take, doing witchcraft is taking God's name in vain and calling things God that are not. And then he goes into this cautionary tale, right? So we, we skip ahead a little bit from this and he, he says with this more of the law that we're seeing with this, the next day Saul died in combat. Later the witch died and went to hell. Lousy story, Bob. And we win. No, you lose. God hates the workers of iniquity. Every witch, white or black, living today who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior will end up in the lake of fire. And you can count on that. But there is a way out. Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross to wash away your sins. I hate your stinking gospel. And to get rid of your devils. Never I die without them. Curse you. May you suffer a horrible death. We'll destroy you if that's the last thing we do. Take back your curse. It can't hurt me, Holly. Never. I'll pray for you, Holly. The Spirit in Jesus' name come out of here. And the little devil comes out of uh, Holly's friend, Samantha. And uh, Samantha prays. She says, I could end up like Holly. I'm going to pray now. Oh God, I'm a terrible sinner. I've been so wicked. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and save me in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, one hour later, tell me, how did you two get into the craft? Through Harry Potter books. We wanted the real power. Other books told us to call for spirit guides and they came. They led us into other stuff. Curses, magic spells, potions, Ouija boards, and crystal balls. Samantha the Potter books opened a doorway that led untold millions of kids into hell. Uncle Bob, you know that half of it. Holly's dad is a preacher and he likes the Harry Potter stories. Hey, what about all the occultic junk in my room? Should I destroy it? Absolutely. I hate this stuff now. That's because you have a new spirit in you, Samantha. He is God, the Holy Ghost, and all this grieves him. And that's... <laughs> he, he, he even goes into the other aspects of it, right? Like, towards the end it says, Samantha, you'll need a Bible to read every day. A King James Bible. It's the only English version Satan hasn't messed with. And pray for Holly and all those kids Satan is drawing into witchcraft. They're all in trouble. Okay, Uncle Bob. And it says immediately after, The children of darkness hate Jesus. On doomsday he'll say to the wicked, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. And that's about it. It's And then there's one more page on. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven. But it doesn't tell you most of the gospel. In fact, for the most part, Jack Chick's understanding of salvation is just deliverance from evil. It's just, Jesus died for you. Stop being a witch. Look at all the terrible things that happened to these witches. Look at how, look at how Harry Potter led all those children to, to Satan. And, and here... We see that worldview of there's got to be this kind of secret thing going on where Harry Potter is secretly part of some uh, some satanic thing. There's an article here on Chick Publications or Chick.com saying Harry Potter making evil look innocent, right? And uh, uh, supposedly, I guess um, the writer of this article in 2001 so probably jack chick himself was writing what are kids saying about harry potter here's some examples and he goes all these kids saying i want to go to wizard school and learn magic if i could go to wizard school i might be able to do spells and potions and fly a broomstick i'd like to go to, go to wizard school and learn magic and put spells on people he's seeing this as actually getting kids into real occultism which i'm sure has happened but Jack Chick is seeing nothing but law here. Now, I'm, I'm no fan of Harry Potter. Trust me, I think that book has probably ruined quite a few people because now that's the only lens through which they look at the world. Oh, the good guys are Dumbledore's army. The bad guys are Voldemort, I guess. 
because of uh, one, I guess, a racial opinion or something. But that's the law. All Mr. Chick can see is the law. That's all he's processing. That's all he's thinking about is the law. So everything is, this activity's bad, stop doing it and say a prayer and you're saved. And by the way, you better start living super straight and narrow and just read your Bible every day. But it's got to be a King James Bible or else Satan messed with it. And you don't want to, you don't want to do anything with Satan again, do you, former Miss Witch? What's that tell? What does that tell everybody reading that pamphlet there? What it tells them is that you are saved by works. Jack Chick would, he would recoil at me saying that. But that's all he focuses on. That's all he's thinking about. All he's thinking about is, well, stop this, stop that. Don't do this, don't do that. Um, read in this translation of the Bible or else you're probably doing some satanic stuff and thinking some satanic thoughts. Um, and yes, uh, you are surrounded by a whole bunch of evil people, so you better work really hard to be aware of all this. You don't want to lose your soul, do you? That's salvation by works. I don't care what he says the gospel is. That is absolute salvation by works. To the point where he is saying your soul either goes to heaven or doesn't go to heaven based on your works and not on your faith. Not on your faith producing good works in you. That's chickism. That's chickism. The, the, this idea that yes we are saved by faith but we don't really mean it and we don't really believe it. And by the way, because the end times are going to be showing up real soon, we need to be working really, really hard to be aware of all these, uh, all these evil things going on that we might accidentally be doing because we don't want to lose our souls. We want to be keeping straight and narrow. That's chickism. But if you ask yourself why somebody would go out of their way to see occultism in Harry Potter... Because I, I doubt, I, I seriously doubt that Jack Chick did this for Alice in Wonderland. I doubt that Jack Chick did this for the legends of King Arthur. I doubt that he did this for nursery rhymes. Mother Goose, a secret satanic agent. She honks for the devil. Right? Nothing like that happens in Jack Chick's comics. It's modern stuff. It's finding the devil in the details of everyday average life. Well, let's take a look at another comic here. And it's a... Uh, I'm just going to describe it for the most part. It says, Happy Halloween. And here we get to this concept of Halloween. Kids going trick-or-treating and going on to one of these haunted house things like that. You know, the goofy kind of things where people are in costumes. And some nice old lady dressed as a witch with a really ugly nose and chin says just happy Halloween and lets kids uh, fall down a... Oops. They fall down a trap door into a basement. They ask what's that and there's the devil and a bunch of people in there maybe in costumes, maybe not, saying Welcome to the abyss. You'll be spending eternity with us. They say, no way, we're out of here. They run out of the house. Timmy gets hit by a car as they're running out. Timmy's gone. Timmy's in hell. Welcome to the abyss, the devil says. Welcome to the abyss, Timmy. You'll be in here for eternity because you died in your sins. We don't know anything about these kids other than they were celebrating Halloween. They were going door-to-door trick-or-treating, right? But the next day, if I had listened to you, Mom, Timmy wouldn't be dead. At least he's in heaven, right, Mrs. Baxter? Oh, how I wish she was, Bobby, Mrs. Baxter says. I cried all night when I heard he was dead. I loved that boy. He was in my Sunday school class and was one of my favorites. But he refused to repent of his sins and give his life to Christ. He was more concerned with impressing his worldly friends, so he quit Sunday school. 
Yesterday I explained to Timmy that one time that Jesus was the only way to heaven. But he says, when it, but he said, when I get old, I'll think about Jesus, but until then I don't want to talk about it. He laughed at me and said I was a fanatic. It broke my heart. Bobby, that decision caused your friend to be sent to hell forever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's claiming she knows the, the heart of this kid. And in Jack Chick's world, he stopped going to Sunday school and he had a problem understanding stuff. So he's in hell because he celebrated Halloween. That That's pretty tough, right? That's Jack Chick saying those who reject him go to hell. But it does say we deserve to be punished for our sins, but Jesus took our punishment for us on the cross, which is true, absolutely. And Jack Chick presents that one page for the gospel. And he says those who believe in Jesus as their Savior go to heaven, but those who reject him go to hell. And and little Timmy says, you mean being a good person won't get me to heaven? And she says, no, Bobby, you must accept God's love gift, Jesus Christ. So if Timmy would have done that, he would have gone to heaven? That's right, but he turned the Lord down. And he doesn't get a second chance. Right? So, now I feel so safe. He says, I know I'll go to heaven when I die. Because he said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sins and I ask you to forgive me. Please come into my heart and save me right now. Great. Make this your greatest Halloween, it instructs. Here's what you need to do. Repent. You must be truly sorry for your sins and be willing to turn away from them. Receive God's free love gift by inviting Jesus into your heart to save you. And that's it. Don't make the same mistake Timmy made. The choice is yours. And then, uh, if you trusted in Jesus as your Savior, here's the little asterisk part, here's the errata, here's the, by the way, the P.S. to the letter. If you uh, trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have just begun a wonderful new life with him. Now, read your Bible, KJV, every day, and get to know your Jesus Christ better. Talk to God in prayer every day. Be baptized, worship, fellowship, and serve with other Christians in a church where Christ is preached and the Bible is the final authority. Tell others about Jesus Christ. Hmm. Okay. So Jack Chick is saying that our faith in saying a single prayer is what saves you for all eternity and then there's all this extra stuff. Now I'm getting mixed messages here. Now I'm getting a tension in the chickest mind, right? We, we read these witches here who, because they did witchcraft, and because one of them isn't uh, repenting and reading her KJV Bible every single day, and it has to be KJV or else it's devil, right? Because she's not doing that, she's going to hell. The other one, though immediately turns around and lives this straight-laced life by commandment because she doesn't want to go to hell. And, and, of course, she throws away all of her Harry Potter books, too. In this one, it's say a prayer and you're saved. The end. Happy times. Now we're seeing a problem. The chickest mind wants to say that salvation is super-duper-duper duper easy. Just trust in Jesus for your salvation. But then all they're preaching is the law. 90% law, 10% gospel. Every page in that chick track except one or two which give lip service to the gospel and say what the gospel is, suddenly now, um, well, everything else is law. So now they, they have this tension between wanting to do a bunch of good works and by good works, we mean rejecting all the secret satanic everything in modern day life. And, and don't do Halloween, by the way, because that's secretly satanic. But on the flip side, just say a prayer and you're saved. Which is it? Which is it, Jack Chick? Am I saved by my works or am I saved by easy grace? And an easy grace that doesn't really require anything of me afterward. Oh, but it does require things of me afterwards. i got to get myself a KJV Bible and read it every day. I'm, I'm seeing a disconnect here. And I'm seeing a, a big, big, big disconnect with how they're looking at it. Because also, 
he's not a sacrament guy. Remember last time we talked about Jack Chick, he talked about the death cookie. He talked about the evil Roman Catholic uh, sacramentarian or sacramental view of the world where God preserves us in communion and in our baptism. So the Lutheran concept of this is, yes, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is not our works which save us. I would agree with Jack Chick on this. But then I would say our faith leads to good works as the fruit of that faith. And those good works are in following God's commandments, particularly the Ten Commandments and the two greatest commandments. To love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Can I do those on my own? I cannot. What leads me to do those things? Well, in the sacraments, Christ strengthens my faith. And if I have a strong faith, I have strong fruits. If I have a strengthened faith in the sacrament with Christ's body and blood, I'm going to be doing more good works over time. Because being counted righteous and being absolved of my sins, I am now free from the law to do good works, to love my neighbor as myself. For Jack, for the chickest, there is none of that. Because there's no sacraments, it's just commandments by God. All you have is commandments. So yeah, there's the gospel. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, you're safe. Go ahead. But here's what you need to do. And here's what you need to do. And here's another thing you need to do. And by the way, if you, here's all the things you don't need to do. And that's a list that's about a billion points long. Like, we know this. That's true. But can we get back to how God cares for us? And that's the difference in the psychology of it that leads people to say Jack Chick was a paranoid fanatic that was hateful and kicked puppies and never saw somebody that he didn't think was going to hell. And when everything becomes ordinance, mankind's heart is never satisfied. If I think God's works for me are, yeah, Jesus died for me 2,000 years ago, and uh, I guess sometimes he answers my prayers. And I have no guarantee of that because... Well, baptism, the promises of that in the scriptures, well, I can't really take that seriously because baptism is just a symbol. Well, now I'm going to be under the law entirely. Even if I'm believing in the gospel, the law is going to have a special place in my heart. And what does the law do? The law accuses. And the law shows that you are never good enough. You will find sins and if not, you will invent sins to find yourself and others guilty of. So let's take a look at, we'll do uh, one or two more here. Here's Boo. Yeah, that's right. Boo. That's the title of this tract. With uh, It's got a nice little pumpkin on it. Some kids are going out for a class reunion or a class Halloween party. And somebody sacrifices a cat to the devil saying it's the devil's birthday on Halloween. And... Uh, suddenly the devil comes in wearing a jack-o'-lantern and a chainsaw, and yes, he kills everybody. I kid you not, this is the tract entitled Boo. <laughs> the cops come out, and the uh, the devil just disappears, vanishes into thin air, but he chases a guy into the, uh, into the church, and the guy rebukes him, so the devil runs away. And then they talk to the pastor... He tells them the devil's origin story. It's true. Here's the biblical thing. He says, um, if, you know, kid asks the pastor, Pastor, is Halloween really Satan's birthday? No, Joey. He was created in heaven and his name was Lucifer. He was a beautiful creature who guarded God's throne. Then he rebelled against God, so he was kicked out of heaven. About a third of the angels rebelled too and were kicked out with him. They became demons and Lucifer became Satan. Who kicked him out of heaven, Pastor? Oh, his creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan is alive and well and is busy destroying mankind. He and his demons know their time is short. They're afraid of Jesus Christ because he created a lake of fire for them. But Satan wants everybody to fry in hell with him. Unfortunately, he'll get most of them. He's a master deceiver and Halloween is just one of his tricks. 
kids love Halloween because it's both fun and scary. You know, a little kid there in his costume saying, Twinkle Tweet! But they have no idea what's behind this celebration. To Satanists and witches, Halloween is no joke. It's their most solemn ceremony of the year. As we get closer to the second coming of Jesus, Satanism will increase. So will human sacrifice. Oh, there's the end times awareness for before the premillennia, right? The premillennial reign of Christ, thousand year reign. Now, as an amillennialist, I, I agree that times are just going to keep getting worse and worse, but um, it's not like we're going to have human sacrifices necessarily in the streets. That could very well happen, but the, the worse is going to be just worse. And maybe it's going to look good because people are going to try to justify themselves. But I digress. I should get off of my pulpit here. Let's get back to Boo. <laughs> Halloween started in the British Isles with the Druids. Those guys were really spooky. And he's holding an ankh for some reason from Egypt. October 31st was a night of terror called Samhain. That night, the Druids went house to house taking victims for human sacrifice. In exchange for the victim, they left a jack-o'-lantern, which was supposed to protect the home from death demons that night. Satan loves Halloween because it glamorizes the powers of darkness, drawing little kids into his camp. And it's paying off. Witchcraft is exploding among teens today. The Lord hates Halloween and its evil origin. Satanic human sacrifices are a slap in God's face. Satan's sacrifices are a mockery of God's perfect sacrifice for our sins. You mean when Jesus was crucified? Yes. Satan hates that message and blocks it every chance he gets. He has blinded people's minds to this truth. That's his trick. Um, then what does it say? This is what Satan doesn't want you to read. Sin stops everyone from going to heaven, but God in his perfect love provided the way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's true, right? And, and the devil really doesn't want people knowing that. That's true. Um, <clears throat> but then it says, if you believe Jesus died for your sins and receive him as your personal savior, you will be saved from hell. And you will reign with Jesus forever. Now that's the smart move. Ah, now we get another thing. Salvation is by grace, but by golly, you can choose that. You're not a poor, miserable sinner. right? You are a poor, miserable sinner, but you're also not. Because it's well within your personal power to believe on your own account. Because even if the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins, they don't think we're actually dead... At least Jack Chick doesn't. Instead of faith being a gift of the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, that faith is a gift from God. No, 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 no. That's your move. Let's talk about all the things you got to do after that. And by the way, don't celebrate Halloween. You can't have fun with a holiday that Christians took over and took from the pagans. Oh, no, we can't do that. No, 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 no. Here's all the stuff you got to do. You see in this kind of schizophrenia between cheap grace, easy believism, and then do law, 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 law. It's a very, very difficult road and a tightrope that I don't think everybody can, can keep going with. This is one of the reasons that Baptist denominations liberalize over time unless they're very, very careful not to. So, that's another thing I wanted to talk about, though. I said that if all you think about is the law, or if the gospel gets very little attention in your heart, and by the way, I'm sorry if y'all can hear the buzzsaw going on in the background. Uh, my apologies for that. Uh, hopefully you can still hear my voice here. Don't have me up too loud. If all you're thinking about is the law, you are always going to be thinking about different sins, and you will be happy to make sins up. A kid going trick-or-treating is not some satanic ritual. Samhain is a dead holiday practiced only by losers. And yes, two holidays can be on the same darn day. I teach the kids in my uh, in my church. We had a, a children's sermon this Sunday was mocking the devil. We laughed at the devil and insulted him. And I gave him candy because 
you know what? Jesus won. And on All Hallows' Eve, or Halloween, we celebrate the victory that Jesus won for us on that cross. And so all the saints, we are counted among them, and the devil's plans for us to go to hell, well, that's foiled. Boom. Done. Easy. They can still celebrate Halloween and go trick-or-treating. Not a big deal. Right? But what would possess somebody, no pun intended, to get into this stuff? To ask questions about Sam Hain. To ask questions about the Druids. Outside of, I had to learn this for my world religions or history class in college. What would make somebody want to have to do that? In part, I think it's the law. But I think there's another insidious part. And we're going to get to this with our last uh, little comic review of the day. Now, this is probably the most infamous of Chick tracks out there. Because there was a movie based on it. And this is a tract called Dark Dungeons. Dark Dungeons. And it's all about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, the DM is this uh, sullen-looking goth GF woman who, you know, while playing the game, uh, declares one of the players dead because the thief, Blackleaf, didn't see the poison trap. Um, So at this time, even though while one friend's... uh, their character dies in D&D, and the other character levels up, and the, the dungeon master, she says, Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. You mean you're going to teach me how to have real power? Yes, you have the personality for it now. The intense occult training through D&D prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. (sighs) Of course. I've brought Elfstar to become a priestess and witch. (laughs) And some satanic priest says, Welcome, Elfstar. Now you will become a priestess of the craft and of the temple of Diana. So... Um, <laughs> this is pretty funny, right? In this, uh, this is the idea that D&D is secretly a satanic worshipping, uh, or Satan worshipping, uh, gateway drug, the same way Harry Potter was. You know, the, in, in Debbie says, Miss Frost, this is fantastic. This makes the game real. It's not a fantasy anymore. Last night, I cast my first spell. This is real power. And uh, Miss Frost, the, the DM, says, I knew you were ready by the way you played the game. But this is just the beginning. There is so much more. Which spell did you cast, Debbie? I used the mind bondage spell on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing D&D. What was the result? Oh, he just bought me $200 worth of new D&D figures and manuals. It was great! And so her mind becomes more dark. Right? Ugh. So, now this girl's playing D&D by herself, right? Uh, Miss Frost says, Hey, hey Debbie, Marcy's on the phone. She wants to talk to you. She's really upset. I I like the thought of this evil satanic witch being uh, so demure in her voice. And Debbie replies, I can't. I'm fighting the zombie. Tell her I'll see her tonight. Because <laughs> she's just standing there <laughs> with, a, with like a DM screen there and some dice and figurines. But uh, Mrs. Anderson uh, talks, or you know, talks to uh, to Debbie here and talks about Marcy. And, well, Mrs. Anderson says, I'm glad you're here, Debbie. Marcy has shut herself in her room and won't come out. She hasn't been herself for weeks. I've been very worried ever since her character in the game got killed. It's as though a part of her died. Maybe you can talk some sense into her. And of course, no, Marcy has hung herself. Having left a suicide note that says, It's my fault. Black Leaf died. I can't face life alone. Marcy. 
This is what Jack Chick thinks really happens with D&D instead of just, you know, a bunch of sweaty dudes in, you know, there may be a girlfriend or two rolling some dice and telling jokes while they pretend to kill monsters, right? And so, of course, uh, Debbie goes to Miss Frost, the DM, and says, I can't get Marcy out of my mind, and, and Miss Frost, the DM, replies... Get your priorities straight, Debbie. Your spiritual growth through the game is more important than some lousy loser's life. It would have happened sooner or later. Her spirit was too weak. Um, and Debbie replies, But the law of our faith is that we can do anything we want as long as we harm no one. But now we've harmed Marcy. And she's asking herself in her mind, What have I gotten into? And... Uh, then Miss Frost gets scary. Don't be stupid, Debbie. I think you'd better let Elfstar take care of things. You're getting out of control. <laughs> and Debbie is now panicking. She says she doesn't want to be Elfstar anymore. So she runs to somebody who can actually help. She runs to a pastor. <laughs> she runs to a pastor that informs her... Uh, Debbie, I've told you Jesus is the only answer. I've been praying and fasting for you. Because I know that what you're involved in is a spiritual warfare that you can't win without the Lord Jesus. Come with me to a meeting this afternoon. The speaker came out of witchcraft. He knows what you're up against. And so this uh, this speaker here, let's see what he uh, what he has to say about D and D. He says, "You who are involved in the occult think you have achieved power, but you have been trapped in a dungeon of bondage." The limited power you have been given is only bait to lure you to destruction. But Jesus came that you might have life and that more abundantly. That's, that's true. Jesus sets us free from the bondage of witchcraft and gives us victory over all the power of the enemy. Satan, parentheses. God's word declares that you must repent. Turn to Jesus Christ and trust him alone as your savior. True. That's true. Then according to Acts 19.19, 19, you should gather up all your occult paraphernalia like your rock music, occult books, charms, dark dungeons material, and don't throw them away, burn them. We'll do that here tonight. We will also be praying for the deliverance of those who have allowed occult forces to control them. If you want the Lord Jesus to your, as your Savior, come forward now. And of course, uh, Debbie does. Good for Debbie. But at, at what point is rock music satanic? And why would somebody go out of their way to ask themselves, is rock music satanic? <laughs> yeah. How do I know rock music is satanic? Did he decide to, to look into the Sozo logo for Led Zeppelin? Did he decide to start looking at Black Sabbath's lyrics and everything? And, hmm, look up the meaning of the term Black Sabbath? Oh, that's interesting. In the name of Jesus, I order you, spirits of the occult, to leave Debbie. And then, of course, Debbie repents. She becomes a Christian and she says, You guide me through life. I want you to be in charge of everything, God. Not that lousy D&D manual. Uh, and Debbie burned all of her occult material that night. And thanks God for setting her free. Well, good for her. Um, <laughs> and I want to know why somebody would take it upon themselves to get obsessed with the occult aspects, supposed occult aspects of D&D. Because as somebody who has played Dungeons and Dragons for the better part of, uh, well, since I was 12, so that's, uh, that's a long time, that's definitely over 15 years now, ever since 3rd edition or 3.5 came out in the early 2000s. I can tell you that that never led me to occultism. That never led me to become one a, a like a real witch or anything like that or a sorcerer. So what gives though? Why would there be that kind of interest? Because yes, there have been people that got into real witchcraft and satanic stuff with D and D. I'm convinced they would have anyway. But why would Jack Chick center in on that? Why would somebody who is a chickist obsess about that? And this is a little theory. We're going to end this with a little bit of speculation. I'm convinced that there is a desire to get into the occult 
to get into dark, spooky things like Satanism and witchcraft and polytheism and secret messages and stuff like that, because these people wish they could do that just straight, a lot of them wish they could and they know that they're not allowed to, so their way of getting into it is under the auspices of fighting it. Let me explain a little bit. In the 1990s, there was the big abstinence movement. And all these kids in churches were told, don't have sex before marriage. Which is a good thing to tell them. The scriptures do condemn fornication. But then, the scandal with Monica Lewinsky happens. And a lot of well-meaning kids, who actually didn't mean well at all, decided, oh, so if I just stick to oral sex... I can do that as much as I want, and I haven't violated God's command. Because we're not actually going full on, right? That was the thought. That was the thought behind a lot of these kids in the abstinence movement, and a lot of, uh, a lot of people probably ruined themselves doing that. And, and I guarantee you a whole lot of them didn't just stop with that one kind of sexual act. They went eventually full on. And so it is with the person who has a chickist mindset. Chickism says, and again, this is maybe speculation. I shouldn't go full on in judging Jack Chick's motivations. But I have known people who do this, who have done this, who said, I want to do occult stuff, but I can't. So I'm just going to study the occult for quote unquote fighting it. It's the same kind of motivation. I want to do this, and I want to find a way to kind of do this while saying that I'm not actually doing that thing. And so that's what they do. And now they're looking for every music video to see if there's secret satanic messages. They're looking at all the fantasy role-playing games like D&D and wondering, hmm, where is the secret satanism behind this? Because it would be a terrible thing if I started studying some stuff. And it would be a terrible thing if I started looking at what these pentagrams mean in this one album cover. It will be a terrible thing if I looked up what a Black Sabbath really means. I'd, I'd better get to know more so I can uh, defend myself against this. But I'm also going to have a blast while reading about it. That's what a lot of people do. I've known people who started out that way with kind of a chickism mindset and ended up just plain old getting into the occult getting into actual satanic things and new age occultism because that's what they really wanted to do anyway and so this pressure release valve for it even for something that was made by a christian by all accounts um gary gygax the one of the two inventors of D&D, was a christian he said he was a born-again believer. And in every interview, he said, you know, D&D is like a chair. You can sit in it like you're supposed to. You can, you know, eat dinner while sitting in your chair. Or you can bash it over somebody's head. It, it is what you make of it. And he didn't feel guilt that some people were using it for weird things, like the steam tunnels incidents. But for Jack Chick, no, that's not enough. He must secretly be satanic. You see, the same way the Roman Catholic Church is secretly the successors to the old Babylonian Empire. The same way Halloween is secretly a way to sucker kids into doing some satanic pagan ritual. And it, it just so happens that he has all this knowledge and, and applies this knowledge and interprets this data, this information, that one way. Oh, I'm fighting against it. Very interesting, Mr. Chick. Very interesting. And and what's the response to that? Because I gotta I gotta get a little bit on my pulpit here. Yes, the world is satanic. Does that mean that everything in the world is necessarily intentionally satanic? No. No, it's not. Kids going trick-or-treating just want candy. Adults going to Halloween parties, they just want to dress up in a lascivious costume and get drunk. It's still sinful, it's still stupid when adults do that kind of thing, but the kids aren't saying, I wish to do satanic things now. There's no concupiscence involved with it, no desire to do a sinful thing. They just want candy. 
They just want to have a good time and they want to go door to door and maybe get spooked a little. It's fun. D&D is a fun role-playing game. But I've had one pastor before accuse Star Wars pod racing for the N64 of being a satanic thing. Intentionally satanic. That the creators of this video game, like the creators of the movie, secretly wanted to subvert people's beliefs and lead them away from Jesus. Because once you get into that pod racing game, it's so fun, you see. And then you're having too much fun to go to church, you see. And then that must have been the the idea behind it. And you know, I'm pretty sure those pods that they're racing in, the, the little race things, you know, that's not actually physically possible, so that's probably from magic. And the Force. Don't get me started on the Force. That sounds a lot like Eastern Pantheism, which... Somebody wanting to introduce that with a different name than Chi or the All as a monist would must be secretly satanic. Hmm. You just did a lot of studying to find yourself accusing an N64 game of being satanic. Now again, probably made by sinful human beings. And yeah, people probably did end up doing stupid things like not going to church because they were having too much fun with their video. But... At the same time, is it intentional? And can these things be used as God put this video game in my life for me to be able to take take some time to relax after work? God put D&D in my life because maybe I can teach some good morals with it and have a good time with friends. Oh, I'm seeing a lot better here. It depends on its use. And it depends on the intentions of the people. Yes, there are satanic rock bands out there. Most of the rock bands are probably out there are probably accidentally satanic because they just want to you know do drugs, get drunk, and get all the girls. That's just what sinful people do, but they're not necessarily part of a cult. Maybe the the record companies are. That that's a subject for something that doesn't belong on this audio because uh, you know Bandcamp and everything has their rules. But that being said. The chickest can't relax because they have a heart full of law and very, very little of the gospel. And they're not thinking about the good. They're not thinking very much about that. And so they're going to find sins and they're going to kind of be fascinated by it and they're going to kind of want to study it and they're going to have to find a way to kind of do it but not so they can get away with studying all this stuff and putting their noses where they don't belong. Just a thought, but I'd love to hear back from you on what you think about this this idea of the psychology behind chickism, and just let me know. Feel free to shoot me an email, and God bless you. You have a wonderful day, and if, uh, if you need a part three to chickism, let me know. <laughs> this can be an ongoing series for a bit, but until then, we're going to just stick with the two. God bless you. You have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye, everybody.